Hey, as you see, give uh, three people a fist pump. One for God, one for Jesus, one for the Holy Spirit. There we go. Good morning, church. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here. How many NASCAR fans do we have? You ready for the season? How many watch just for the wrecks? Of course, we pray for their safety, but we want to see them crash, right? <laughs> hey, good to see everyone here this morning. Hope you're doing well, enjoying the weather. <laughs> you're like, no, no. Hey, we're on a teaching series together titled The Adventure Awaits, and this is part three. We've been kind of journeying together about the truth of following Jesus and what that looks like. I believe the objective in life is this, to follow Jesus. That everyone, whether we're Christians or non-Christians, the objective of life is to follow Jesus. Turn to someone around you and say, you've got to follow Jesus. And you've got you to emphasize Jesus, right? Comes a little across. I think when you put your faith in the tr and trust into Jesus and you decide that day, I'm going to believe in him, I think it's better if we just say, I believe in Jesus to I have a lifestyle of following Jesus. The way I talk in my relationships should resemble the way Jesus would talk to someone. The way I handle my job should be the way Jesus should handle my job. The way I deal with my finances should be the way Jesus would deal with his finances. Every area in our lives should look like Jesus. And this morning we're going to jump into a, a fun story. It's all fun. It's from the Bible. It's all fun. And we're going to look at something that perhaps you and I struggle with when it comes to following Jesus. So if you will, if you've got your Bible or your Notebook, your phone, turn with me to John chapter 21. And the big Bible will be on the screens. If you don't have one, that's all right. If you don't have a Bible at home, take a pew Bible. It's yours. It's on us. We believe in God's Word. It changes you. Promise, it will change you. Uh, about two-thirds of your way through, you're going to find four guys. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, who write on the life of Jesus. And John is a disciple of Jesus. He hangs out with Jesus. He's probably the youngest of all the disciples. And years later, after Jesus has died, he writes this letter that we have today. 2,000 years later, we have John's letter. Let me get us caught up to where in, exactly in John chapter 21 we will be. Jesus has spent three and a half, three, three and a half years of ministry with 12 guys, the, the disciples. Now, in a lot of our American painting, we have the disciples looking like older men. The disciples are teenagers. Peter's probably the oldest in about the young 20s age, right around there. They're teenagers. These are boys that have been following Jesus for three, three and a half years. Jesus has died, watched him get flogged and beaten. He went to the cross. He was buried. Jesus has rose again. And he's going to appear to the disciples for about 40 more days before ascending back into heaven and just levitating and saying, see you guys, I'm up in heaven now. And what happens with the disciples is they are so discouraged. They're like, man, the guy that we've been following for three, three and a half years, he's done. He's gone. And so what the disciples do is they're full of discouragement and pain 
And we've been there before. We've had discouragement and pain before in our lives. And what the disciples decide to do is they go back to their lifestyle. They go back to their family trade. So we're going to pick up on the story. We're going to see some of the disciples are out on the Sea of Galilee fishing. It's what their family trade is. They wanted to be disciples and follow this rabbi, this teacher named Jesus. But for them, he's gone. With discouragement, they go back fishing. We're going to pick up the story with Peter. Peter's the oldest of all the disciples. He's kind of the leader. And he kind of says things and opens his mouth when he shouldn't. How many of us have done that before, right? And if not, raise your neighbor's hand. All right? <laughs> because we've been there. We're, we're like, why'd I say that? Why'd I say that? And Peter does that a lot. I'm sure Peter gets ragged on and we're going to get to heaven. And Peter's like, I didn't open up my mouth that much, guys. Uh, but he opens up his mouth a lot. And here he is, probably one of the most discouraged disciples. Because he was the leader of them. Yet it was him when it came crunch time and Jesus was on trial, it was him who denied Jesus three times, said, I don't know this Jesus guy. And he thinks his rabbi, Jesus, is dead. He's out on the boat with a couple other disciples and they're fishing. And Jesus is on the shore, they don't realize it's Jesus, and Jesus has a conversation. He says, hey guys, how many fish have you caught? And discouragement again, they're like, nothing. We have no fish. We're supposed to be professional fishermen. We have nothing. We've been fishing all night long. Well, why are they fishing at night? Because it's a little warmer up top. The pool of the night has settled deep down. It's too cold. So the fish have come up a little bit. So they fish at night. During the day, the top of the water is way too hot in Israel. The fish go all the way down. So you fished at night when the fish are closer to the surface. He said, we haven't caught anything. And Jesus on the shore, again, they don't know it's Jesus yet. Jesus says, hey, just throw your net on the other side. And the disciples probably like, I don't, we got nothing on this side. I don't know why they didn't think about this earlier. We're getting nothing on this side. How about toss the net on this side? And they decide to listen to Jesus, toss his net, and they catch 150, 153 fish. And they are amazed, and they start to bring the net in, and the net's not breaking, it's to capacity. And all of a sudden, Peter, who's denied Jesus three times, thinks he's dead, realizes it's Jesus. He jumps into the water and runs towards Jesus. And the rest of the disciples, they're smart. They stay in the boat and say, hey, we'll see you at the shore. We'll just row this baby to the shore, right? We're not jumping in the water. But Peter, he died. I denied him. He's alive. Peter goes, and Jesus on the shore has coals and a fire going. And Jesus says, Bring your fish. Let's have breakfast. Jesus is pro breakfast. Did you know this? Jesus knew long before we knew breakfast was the most important meal of the day. Jesus knew that. He's like, hey, you had a long night. Got to have the most important day, meal of the day. Let's have some breakfast, boys. I got some bread, got some fire. You got 153 fish. Let's do this. So turn to your neighbor and say, you got to have breakfast. Hey, if we're following Jesus, we got to have breakfast, right? Jesus has breakfast. Let's have breakfast. And while they're having breakfast on the shore, Jesus and Peter are going to have a conversation. 
Jesus is going to ask, Peter, do you love me? Jesus says, I love you. You know I love you. Jesus asks again, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he asks a third time, and this is where we pick up in our story of John chapter 21, verse 17. It reads this way. Peter was what, friends? He's hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? I imagine three times. Peter, you denied Jesus three times. I want to make sure in the midst of your failure, you think you failed me. I want you to recognize, Peter. I want you to know, even failing me, I want you to recognize you still love me. Isn't that true for us? When we make mistakes in our lives and we let failures, we just we soak in those things. And it's so unhealthy for us. And I think Jesus is having this conversation with Peter to say, I want you to recognize in the midst of failing in life, I want you to know you still love me. Story continues. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. This is Peter talking. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger and you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. The story continues. Then he said to him, follow me. Verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Now who is this disciple? This is John recording himself in third person. I want you all to know, I'm the one Jesus loves. <laughs> and then he throws this in. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? It's like, John, why is this in the middle of this story? John just wants us to realize I played a really important part in the life of Jesus, and I want you to know that. And you're, and you're reading in the midst of this story, you're like, all right, thank you, John. Back to the story. Here we go. What happens? And he records, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? What about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumors spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. You think gossip's an issue. Gossip was an issue in the disciples. They continue. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? John continues. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And then he ends his entire letter with an awesome verse in 25. Jesus said many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would have enough room for the books that would be written. That's our text this morning. I want to pray for you guys before we jump in that we would not just receive information this morning, but our hearts and our lives would be transformed. So let's pray. Father, 
comes from, from so many walks of life this morning. Some are probably who are on absolute spiritual high right now. Just loving their walk with you. Others, they just feel that struggle. Struggle. For others, they don't even know you yet. But God, I just thank you for who you are and what, what you're going to do in and through us. So I pray that our spirit would be in tune with your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us in whatever manner that we need to hear your word this morning. And God, as I said, may this not be information. May it be transformation. That's what you're in the business of, of life transformation. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone together said, Amen. Amen. Uh, how many of you have been to the new Dairy Queen, the reopened Dairy Queen? Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, way nicer than it used to be. Um, you know, it's good. And my family and I, we decided we're going to go hit it up. Hit it up. Let's, let's try it out. We haven't had Dairy Queen in, I mean, how long was it closed? It was closed for a good time. And we wanted uh, Dairy Queen. And I'm a fan of Oreo blizzards. Anyone else? Yeah. See, I've already lost you because you're hungry now. I'm thinking of Oreo blizzard and NASCAR <laughs> and crashes. Um, Oreo Blizzard, so we got in, and I don't, I don't, we got in, it was about 7, 7.30 at night on a school night, and um, my wife and I, we packed our three kids in the car, and I don't like giving my kids ice cream at night. They stay up. Something ice cream does to kids. I don't know what it is, but it's like, they go nuts. I don't even like giving my kids a scoop of ice cream at night. Like, I have a time, time limit. Hey, you hit it, or you can't have it, because you're going to stay up forever. So we go into the car, we go through the line at Dairy Queen, and my wife and I get something. We go to pay, and we're enjoying it on our way home. And the kids, my three kids, the entire time in the van on the way home is saying this, it's not fair, right? You've said, we've all said this before, in one way of life, it's not fair. Turn to someone and just tell them, it's not fair. I'm telling my kids, ah, you will thank me later in life. This is a life lesson. Life isn't fair, kids, as I'm slurping my Oreo blizzard. <laughs> it's not fair. Then we get home, and we're still eating our, my Oreo blizzard. I forgot what my wife was eating. And the kids are still, it's not fair, Dad. It's not fair. And I have trash, and I said, son, take out the trash. And he's like, oh, that's not fair. I said, why do you think we had kids? I don't want to take out the trash. That's why we have kids around here. You take out the trash. But we're sitting there going, and we've said this before. It's not fair. Life's not fair. They got the promotion, and I worked just as hard as they did. It's not fair. It's not fair. We're so good at those three words. It's not fair. It's not fair. And what we learned in, um, throughout the process is Hey, Abe, can I get you something? Sorry, pause. Can you turn off those lights? I smell them burning. <laughs> Not to get anyone scared, all right? I can smell plastic. Not me. Thanks. Is that here Jesus is having a conversation on the shore with Peter. He begins to say, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says, you've got to follow me. And let me tell you, when you were young, you enjoyed life. 
you got dressed, you did things that you wanted to do. But I want you to know when you get older, they're going to kill you. It's not going to be good. In fact, it's going to be ugly. And I want you to know that. And I imagine Peter hearing this going, what? I'm going to do what? Yeah, I ask you, do you love me, Peter? I know, but you will. You will die an ugly death. I I just saw you again. Really? Yeah. So Peter, like any natural human response, Peter's looking for another human, right? He's looking around, he's like, what about him? (laughs) What about John? John's my buddy, he's my friend. This isn't fair. What about him? Jesus says, what's that got to do with you? You follow And I think we're really, aren't we funny creatures? A lot of times we compare ourselves to others, don't we? In this story, we find Peter comparing his path of following Jesus to John. Because he doesn't like it. And I think we're funny in the sense that deep down, maybe we have a little secret. Deep down, when you feel like you don't get blessed, Deep down, you're hoping they don't get blessed. Following Jesus, but man, I don't feel blessed. I hope you don't get blessed. Or if they get blessed, all of a sudden we're not getting blessed. You know what happens? We develop a prayer life. God! What is this discrepancy? This is not fair. I'm following you. They're following you. They look blessed beyond belief in No, I have nothing. It's not fair. And I imagine when Peter's on the shore saying, what? I don't want to die like this, Jesus. And he says, what about him? Jesus could have came and said, you know what, Peter? I I, I was a little harsh. And and I want you to know, I know you that, I wanted you to know that you do love me deep down. But, um, you know, Peter... At least your death is going to bring more glory than John. You know? John's, John's just little Johnny, you know? He's, he's just little right now. And, but you're going to bring more glory. But instead, what does Jesus do? He does like the complete opposite of, hey, Peter, by the way, you will get crucified upside down on a cross. That's how you're going to die. Peter does the exact, or Jesus does the exact opposite of martyrdom. He goes, well, John may live forever. <laughs> what? I got to die this horrible death and you're telling me that John may live forever? And Jesus says, but what's that got to do with you? You follow me. See, here's the truth about following Jesus is that we're all on an adventure with Jesus. Let's say it together. We're all on an adventure with Jesus. Whether for some of us, we don't even know this Jesus yet, I want you to know Jesus is pursuing you. As a, you are his child and he is pursuing you and he desires a relationship with you. He's pursuing you. For others of us, we've been a, we've been a Christ follower maybe just two weeks. 
You're on an adventure with Jesus. For others, it may be 40, 50 years that you've been following Jesus. No matter where we are on the spectrum, we are all on an adventure with Jesus. But we're not all on the same path. We're not all on the same path. We may be serving and worshiping the exact God that's alive and we worship Jesus. We can't wait for Easter that is so around the corner before we know it. And we worship and we believe the same truths. We believe the same reality. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But we're not all on the same path of following Jesus. Peter? Well, what about John? I don't like my path. What about John's path? And Jesus, what's that got to do with you, Peter? See, for some of us, we feel like this is our path. Don't like it, Jesus. Oh, I don't even know where it's going. I don't know if this thing goes down or up or there just could there could be a cliff that I can I don't like it. This is my path. I don't even know if that bridge is gonna hold me. But this is what you're calling me to? It's not fair. Jesus, what about their path? Soft. Sandy. Warm. It's pretty. But mine? I don't like it. I don't like my path. And then I look around and see another follower of Jesus and oh! oh, oh. The path is paved. So wide. And it's straight. And you can tell they're going places. They're going up a mountain. They're, this person. But mine, <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like my path. So what we do, don't we? We're exactly like Peter. But what about them? No, I don't like that. What about them? What about them? We're all on an adventure with Jesus. Not all on the same path. But we certainly like to compare ourselves. So we get zipped out. Here's what I know, friends. I want you to. <laughs> you want to make following Jesus difficult and complicated, look at everyone else's path but your own. You want to make following Jesus the most complicated thing in life, look at everyone else and don't look at Jesus. You were created for the path you are on. You were not created for your neighbor's path. You weren't created for your spouse's path. You weren't created for your friend's path. The path you are on, adventuring and following Jesus, you were created for that. That's where you find your purpose. Peter, I don't care about John. I'm talking to you. What has that got to do with you? John's John. I'm having a conversation with you, Peter. You follow me. I like to look around at all these other paths that look better than mine. Embrace the path God has called you to be. It's so hard, isn't it? 
just look around and say, what about him? What about her? What about their path? They look, they look better than mine. What's that got to do with you? Turn to your neighbor and say, what's that got to do with you? You can't focus on your purpose in life when we're always comparing ourselves to other people. So how do we do it? How do we say, you know what? I'm going to stay on my path that God has designed, God has purpose for me. But it's so tempting to just look around and look at everyone else's path. It looks better than that. How do we do it? We have to change our perspective by this. Fix your focus on who? Jesus, not the what? One more time. Fix your focus on not the... This is a magnifying glass. I think in life, we have these all over in our pockets that we carry. We sit there and we'll examine all other paths. We'll sit there and we'll look and say, man, their path looks so good right now. I want that. We'll go over here and say, man, their path. Oh, their path is beautiful. That was you. You're beautiful. Finally, Jeff. We sit there and go around, and the thing is, is when we do that, we begin to magnify the path or the path of others, and we don't magnify Jesus. My question is: Are you magnifying Jesus? Or are you magnifying the circumstances or the path that you are on? And I think when we begin to use this and go around and examine everyone's path and say, hey, hey, theirs is better than mine. What begins to do is it begins to rob the joy of following Jesus. We get no more joy out of it. So we're always comparing paths of what people are on. You have purpose. You were created for the path that you're on. May you embrace it. May you continue to Focus on who? Oh, okay. Uh, let's try that again. We missed it. We're going to focus on who? Jesus, not the path. Because listen, your path may go down, may go up, may go through hell, may go through whatever, but Jesus is greater than anything you're going to walk in life. And you can sit there and magnify this person's path or this path or the things that are in my life and we will miss the joy and awe of following Jesus. Jesus is above it all. He's greater than it. He's beyond it all. So my question in your life is, who is your focus? As you follow Jesus, magnify Him, not the path. Grace thing you can make your way up. Peter, I don't care about John. What's that got to do with you? You must follow me. Follow me. But Jesus, what about her? What about him? What about their house? It's so much better than mine. 
about their family and they look like they got it together? Or what about their job and their promotion? And Jesus, I'm trying to follow you. It's not fair. Fix your focus on Jesus, not the path. Your path won't carry you through the circumstances. Jesus Christ will carry you through your circumstances. But we just stare at that path and say, I don't like it. Or flip side, you know what we do? We'll look at our path and say, my path is good. Why isn't their path as good as mine? They must have something wrong in their life as a follower of Jesus. And then pride settles in. And we say, <laughs> I got it together. I got this wide open paved path. We're going good. Something must be wrong with that. And then we let pride. In the Bible, God has a ton of things to say about pride. He hates it. I think a lot of followers of Jesus get pride because their path looks so great and we say there's something wrong with it. Your path won't carry you through. Jesus will carry you through. Peter, I don't care about John. I care about you. You follow me. Follow me. And the beauty that in a room this size, that we're all on an adventure with Jesus. We're all on different paths. But the beauty of the different paths that we're all on, following Jesus, is that we all get to be Jesus to different people. Wouldn't that be boring if the kingdom of God would look just the same? We're all on the same path. How will we ever be Jesus to our different co-workers? How will we ever be Jesus if we all just lived in the Christian bubble and Christian neighborhood? And, oh, this is the follower of Jesus neighborhood. And these are the, oh, stay away people. The beauty of different paths that we're all on. Is go be Jesus to those people. And I often say, you may be the only Jesus your coworker, your neighbor, your family ever knows. So fix your eyes on Jesus, not the path. He'll get you there. At this time, ushers, you can come forward. If you're a first-time guest with us, you can take your connection card, hold on to it, and take it to Radiant Cafe after service and uh, get free drinks on us. And we have gift bags for you as well. Just uh, appreciate you. For the rest of us, we can't do ministry alone. We need each other. For those of us who have called this church home for a long time or just relatively new, thank you for your passion and for your heart. Thank you for your faithful giving that allows us to do ministry here at Radiant Life and beyond just these four walls. And I literally mean this. It is so hard to stand up in front of people and say thank you for your money. Thank you for your act of worship. Of trusting God. Trusting God. Let me pray first. Father, I pray as we acknowledge that we're on this adventure with you. It's the most fulfilling adventure in life we can ever be on. It's following you. 
I pray when we don't like the path that lies ahead, we don't like the storm we're in, we don't like what's happening to us, I pray, Jesus, that we would fix our focus on You and magnify You, not the situation, not the path we're on. And I pray, Jesus, that if we begin to compare our path with paths with others, Pray that we would hear those words of Jesus talking to Peter. What's that got to do with you? You follow me. And I pray as we follow you, Jesus, that we do not lose the joy and awe of you. Father, bless both the gift and the giver as we give back in worship. Give back in worship so we can... Live out the mission of Radiant Life to see your kingdom grow ever more and more every day that we live like Jesus and share his love. I pray that that would just bleed in our hearts. And I thank you, God, that we worship on a God that is alive, that is active, that is in the business of life transformation. And you are a good God. And when you're on our side, no one and stand against us. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Church, aren't you glad that's the God that we serve? Man, the God that we serve is a chain breaker. He's alive and he's active, and he's roaring and he's fighting your battles. Keep following faithfully. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not the path. Jesus will get you through the path. All right? Hey, next week, <laughs> another... See you next week, all right? Hey, blessings to you. Enjoy the NASCAR.